We are those entrepreneurs and like the plethora of ideas that we have, we're like, oh, there's a, oh, let's do this. And the being able to filter those ideas and saying yes to everything, all of it. All of that is normal. And you have to look at that mission, that vision and that why, because if you don't know that, you will quit. And I know from experience, right? Like I have wanted to quit so many times, but because I had that anchor, I knew I was always gonna fix it because this is not for the faint of heart. It all comes back to time management, like every single piece, time management and routines and really designing your days the way you want them. Because if you don't control your calendar, your calendar will control you. Welcome to the Seven Hats Podcast. My name is Yuval Selig, and I've been on the entrepreneurial roller coaster for over 20 years. I've experienced it all throughout my journey, the grind, burnout, failure, and ultimately, success. The turning point for me was realizing that building a successful company is meaningless if you neglect the other significant areas of your life. So today, I'm inviting you to join me on an adventure through those seven areas, what I call seven hats. Every week, my guests and I will drop valuable insights and pearls of wisdom, helping, motivating, and inspiring you to get your seven hats in order and deliver real impact with meaning. So let's get going. Welcome Seven Hatters. In this episode, we speak with Brittany Dixon and dive deep into hats one and four, the soul and the entrepreneur, as we learn how to build a business without burnout. Brittany is a mother of twin girls, a fellow entrepreneur, and a business process and systems expert. She helps entrepreneurs refine structures and systems in their business to save time, create freedom, generate income, and make a big impact. So if you're ready to take long weekends, vacations without the laptop, or for God's sake, spend some time with your family and friends, then let's welcome Brittany to The Seven Hats. Brittany, welcome to The Seven Hats. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, listen, I'm stoked to speak with you today about productivity, routines, work-life balance, burnout. You know, all the things that entrepreneurs face as a tribe, uh, it's like a rite of passage <laughs> for <Yeah>. budding entrepreneurs, <laughs> right? And only when we burn out, do we ask ourselves, could there be a better way? Yep. Could I get more accomplished in less time? Potentially, could I go home and eat dinner with my family? <laughs> you know, I've been there. Yep. I'm sure that you have as well. But many, before we get- Many, many times. <laughs> many times, exactly. But before we get into those lessons, right, that you've learned banging your head against the wall and trying to figure this out, the Seven Hatters would love to hear more about your journey and upbringing. What did you learn? Why are you here today? And we can get a lot out of that when we look in the past. So with that, yeah. Brittany, where were you born and how was your childhood like? Yeah, so I was actually born in a small town outside of Columbus, Ohio. So it's London, Ohio. I always joke it's not the cool London where I get like the awesome accent and things. It's the little tiny town in a cornfield. But yeah, so I actually grew up really, really poor. I had no entrepreneurship in my family, super low income. I was actually the oldest of five. Later on, I found out that my biological dad, my dad that I grew up with was not my biological dad. Just recently found him when I was 29. So that's like a whole story in itself. Wow. But um, now I'm the oldest of eight. So I have three additional siblings. But I grew up 
really poor, low income. We were like the kids with the low income lunch thing, like all of that. I don't, I always struggle with this because we did have it better off than a lot of people, but mm -hmm. I still feel like it had such an impact on me and me being able to see what I wanted out of life. But it wasn't until I was about 16 that uh, my grandfather really kind of opened my eyes to what could be. He was the person that pushed me to go to college and to really like do better and want better for myself. So um, he actually passed away when I was 18, when I was in college, but he was kind of like that pivot factor where I was doing work for him and he would pay me. He would take me to his work to see kind of like the corporate environment. And I think that was just such a huge pivotal point for me because I was able to kind of get out of my world and really see, oh, there is more. We don't have to live like this and be poor and suffer. And like, there's more to life than this, right? So you didn't know about your biological dad until when? Yeah. So um, craziest story. I was actually moving out at 18. And my parents decided that was a great time to tell me. Um, <laughs> you're moving out. It's okay. Yeah. You're not gonna, you're not going to get upset. Yeah, right. basically. So um, they told me and they're like, hey, so your dad actually adopted you when you were three. He's not your biological dad. Long story short, my mom got pregnant in high school and it was just a, a I'm sure, guilt thing. Craziest part, though, is that we live in a small town, right? <laughs> so basically, when I was 29, I decided to do the 23andMe DNA test and yes. took that and had talked to some people who just kind of like dive into like genealogy and knew my mom and that kind of thing. And yeah, basically found out he lived five miles from me. I wow. went to school with my sister my entire life. I have prom pictures never with her. Knew. Oh, yeah. Never knew. Never knew. So yeah, so many pivotal moments, but really I think it was growing up poor and then my grandfather showing me that there was more to life and I knew I had to have that. Like I knew I wanted better for myself and for my kids. What did your stepdad and, and mom do? Um, yeah, so my mom worked in a nursing home, so she was a nursing assistant and then my dad was an electrician for a while and then he just mm -hmm. did mechanic work. Yeah, I mean, again, we were better off than a lot of people. They both had jobs, we had incomes, but when you have a big family like that with five kids and it, yeah, it just didn't, they, what I saw in them, I was like, there has to be more than this. Like there has to be more than like going to work, hating your job, coming home and going to sleep and doing it all over again. Prior to your grandfather instilling some entrepreneurial momentum, what did you want for yourself? So growing up, I always wanted to be a teacher, which mm. is interesting kind of with what I do now, right? <laughs> Yeah, so I always wanted to be a teacher. Um, and then I just, from the time I was even in like middle school and high school on, I was just this very like type A organized person. And as I got a little bit older, I was like, oh, I feel like wedding planning would be really cool. Like you could be the behind the scenes and like plan the event and which is also interesting with some of the stuff that I do now, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it all kind of comes full circle. But I think just growing up that way, I didn't have expectations because I'm like, oh, because nobody had been to college in my family either. So me even taking that step was huge. So even when I went to decide on what I was going to college for, I'm like, what, what am I going to go to college for? <laughs> like, I'm supposed to go, but what, what am I doing? So I actually was going to major in communications. I ended up dropping out because, you know, entrepreneurs don't necessarily need a degree. <laughs> yes, that is true. So, yeah, it was just there was a lot of pivotal things that kind of happened. But I wanted to be a teacher when I was like third grade through high school. <laughs> so you dropped out of college first year, second year? 
Um, so I had an Associates of Arts. I finished the two years at a community college and then I went in my third year for communications and like a quarter in, I was like, I'm out. This, I'm not doing Got this it. anymore. <laughs> I, I, I love that. I wish yeah. I did as well. And what did you do? What, what was the, that next step? Yeah. So um, kind of leading up to that, I worked in the hospitality and food service space. So just living on my own at 18, kind of getting by. Right. And it was funny because I actually worked for a company and did event planning. So it kind of yeah. all came together. College kind of, I stopped that, moved into this position, did the event planning for this corporate restaurant. And I was there for four years and I actually got let go. So oh, I got wow. fired and that's kind of the trajectory of starting a business. <laughs> I can't tell you how many yeah. entrepreneurs I speak with and they became accidental entrepreneurs just because they got absolutely fired. Absolutely an accidental entrepreneur. So I basically, I was a sales coordinator with that company and um, there was some weird shifting happening. I've got twins at home that are, they, oh, were, nice. they were three at the time. So I was like, I should probably have like a, a plan B <laughs> in case this company goes under or like something happens. Well, I actually ended up getting promoted instead of anything happening. But in that time frame before that happened, I actually started my LLC and I was going to organize houses. So it was called clutter control. I was like, there's so many twin moms. I could go organize their house. <laughs> so I had started an LLC and basically got promoted. So then nothing happened with it for about a year. I'm kind of a button pusher and like a rule bender. So I had really big goals with the sales position. And you know, the saying like, if you're doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results, that's insanity. Yeah. Well, that's what this company was doing. So I was kind of pushing boundaries and they would have rather done things the same than do things differently. So that's when I got let go. And I was like, hey, I started this business. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> kind of just jumped into that and had no idea what I was doing running a business. No clue whatsoever. I was like, I can organize houses and then you pay me. Let's do it. But didn't realize like you have to market to find clients and like do that over and over again. <laughs> so what were your what were your challenges? So you started with a decorating service and that transitioned over to helping solopreneurs and entrepreneurs yeah. manage their time and organizational skills. Of course there's there's a relative, you know, association to those two. Yeah. But tell me about the learnings, initial learnings, the failures, and then kind of what you learned and why you switched yeah. to uh, from houses to entrepreneurs. For sure. Yeah. So I feel like with the houses, um, it was pretty straightforward, right? Like I would book the thing, I would go organize their house, they would pay me, and then I'd kind of move on to the next one. I think with that, I just realized how limiting it was. Like I could only do so many. There was only one of me. Moms, normally I had to do nights and weekends. And I was like, oh, I don't want to yeah. work nights and yeah. weekends yeah. all yeah. the time. You, you can't do a webinar. <laughs> you can't so. do, can't do, oh, I mean, debatable now at this point with yeah, everything virtual. But um, yeah, like I, I felt like I was physically confined to a specific area because I was going to Columbus and like you can only go so far. So yeah. I think that was one of the biggest things. I think another learning in that is that I was in my zone of genius organizing houses. Yeah. But all the other stuff, I was like floundering. I was like, I don't know how to do bookkeeping. I don't know how to keep track. Like what? So there was just a lot of learning with that. And I actually decided to hire a business coach. So I just Googled business yeah. coaches. Didn't know it at the time, but Facebook retargeted me like no other. <laughs> <laughs> all so of a sudden then, you're scrolling down yeah. Facebook. You're like, Wait a second. 
There's a lot of business coaches yeah. out here. <laughs> it was a whole, I was like, business coaches online? Like, what is, I literally, before 2017, had no idea how large the online business, like entrepreneur space was. No clue. Yes. I lived under a rock. So found that business coach and she basically was the one that kind of transitioned me and was like, you could do this online for business owners. And I was like, wait, you mean I can have clients all over the whole United States? What? <laughs> so yeah, she kind of transitioned me into that. And then I went down this crazy rabbit hole of figuring out the online space. So so how did you figure out all the different aspects of a business, right? You got operations, yeah. you got marketing, sales, products, pricing. I mean, all of that stuff. Yeah. Did you, was that, was it pivotal to have a coach or did you try to figure it out yourself? Yeah. So combo of both. Um, I did end up hiring her, even though I had no money to hire her. I figured it out because I was like, there's no way I'm doing this by myself. Yeah. So when I had brought her on, I think I kind of transitioned back into the downloading all the free things. Yeah. I was probably on a thousand lists. I was like, oh, that looks good. That looks like my problem. Let me take that. So I did that for about nine months. If I wouldn't have the big picture vision in mind, I would have quit then. But I think once my eyes were open to seeing that I could have students and clients all over the world, seeing that I could have scalable income where it's like one to many versus one on one, like seeing that I had this goal in place that I was like, we're just going to keep going. Like, let's just keep going. So, but I almost burn out nine months into the online space for sure, because it's, it's a lot. So when you're, you're, you're kind of burning out. So what was it that, was it just the hope that you can reach many people? Did you have a different why? Because it really is the why that, that helps you keep going. Right. So what was your why? It's my kids again, growing up the way I did. I knew when I had children, they would never grow up that way. And my kids have had more life experiences in nine years than I ever did in my whole 18. And that was the biggest driver for me is that I knew if I just kept pushing, kept working hard, kept figuring things out, hiring the right people, that I would be able to support them in having life experiences. So that was that's honestly my driving factor for everything. Did you have imposter syndrome oh, because you I grew up? I still do sometimes. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, yeah. I still got to catch myself in that loop where I'm like, oh, but she's doing it better. Oh, she's got more followers. Oh, yeah. That's still... That I don't think ever goes away when you grow up that way. I think it's just a constant. You've got to be aware of it so that you can fix it. So I have a podcast on imposter syndrome. You should yeah. check it out. Okay. But, <laughs> but, but more, more importantly, what are you doing to try to combat that? Because it's, it's really debilitating, right? Imposter syndrome, yeah. once, you, once it gets in your head, that shit just goes all over the place. So yeah. tell me what, you're, what you do to yeah. try to combat uh, and ease that pain? For sure. Um, so I invest in masterminds and group coaching programs to surround myself with like-minded people so that when I'm down, they're, they can help pull me up. So that's one of the biggest things. I think really just mindset work constantly and like putting yourself in a good mindset from the beginning of the day. It's a lot of reading, personal development things. Like it's like that switch that once you turn it on, like you just want more of it. Yeah. But you've got to keep doing more of it to actually keep it working. So, but yeah, there's been times too, even recently where I was like, oh gosh, what am I doing? Like she's doing this better. So it, it's a constant battle. And it's just, I think having the awareness is the biggest thing because then it, you can at least look at it and try to fix it. Yeah. I mean, support is also huge too. You have a husband and kids. Are you, are you getting the support at home? 
to, to push forward or is it yeah. a difficult challenge? How are you dealing with that? Um, so there's a little bit of a challenge. So my husband is very much not entrepreneur minded. So there's... <laughs> What does he do? Um, yeah, so he works for a company. He does um, project management for the electrical technicians that do something at Honda. Well, I actually have it. no idea, really. But project <laughs> management, I mean, he's exactly. got to relate in some way, right? Okay, in go on. In some way. So it, I think just the entrepreneurship, non-entrepreneurship, that's a little bit of a struggle. But as far as like taking care of the kids in the house and helping and, and that sort of thing and really... He, I think he can see the vision and he can see kind of what these results are starting to come in. And he's like, oh, I do like that. That's really awesome. Yeah. So there's more cheering on, of course. Wait till the results start <laughs> right? coming in. And all of a sudden, he's going to find, you're going to find a lot of support. Uh -huh. You're also he, going to have people knocking at your door. Oh, yeah. Cousins and uncles and, <laughs> right? and, and, and you know, they're like, thing. oh, hey. <laughs> you remember me? No, I don't. Right? Sorry. Sure. So you're, you're a perfect experiment here because you are a young budding entrepreneur who started from nothing, had a very difficult past and childhood and really figured it out. And now you're helping others. I'd like to dive in a little bit into kind of your experience and what you've learned. So let me give you a scenario. Okay. Yeah. So here's a typical day for an entrepreneur. Yep. I'm sure you're going to smile here. The day could be filled with back-to-back -back meetings, you know, hundreds of emails. It seems like everyone wants a PC, right? Mm -hmm. It's like we get home and our spouse asks us, how was your day? Yep. And your response is, oh my God, I was so busy. And then they ask, well, what'd you get accomplished? And then a blank stare. Yeah. <laughs> Now, is this a common theme that you experience with your clients? And if so, how do you even start unraveling the workload so that we can think of becoming productive and finding some sort of work-life balance? Yeah. Um, oh, my gosh. This is all of my clients, my students, everyone <laughs> I talk to ever, right? Because we are those entrepreneurs and like the plethora of ideas that we have, we're like, oh, there's a, oh, let's do this. And the being able to filter those ideas and saying yes to everything, all of it. All of that is normal. That is what I hear on a day-to-day -day basis. So I look at businesses very holistically. Like I don't want to come in and put a Band-Aid on it. Like I want long-term fixes. Mm -hmm. And you have to look at that mission, that vision, and that why. Because why yeah. the heck are you even here? Because if you don't know that, you will quit. And I know from experience, right? Like I have wanted to quit so many times, but because I had that anchor, I knew I was always going to fix it. So I always look at that first and ask them, like, why the heck did you even sign up for this? Because this is not for the faint of heart. <laughs> Love that. And then it really is almost like that time audit. Honestly, my students, all the way up to my people that pay me for consulting, it all comes back to time management. Like every single time management and routines and really designing your days the way you want them. Because if you don't control your calendar, your calendar will control you. Yep. I love that. And I think that's a good foundation. So we have, yeah. we said the foundation, we know that calendar is kind of the, the overall arching foundation yep. of, of time management. And I, and I don't think you can, I don't think there's such a thing as time management. You can't manage time, but there's self-management, which yes. I think is what you're speaking to. Yep. So on the seven hats, we're all juggling, or at least we're trying to have a juggling act between the seven categories of life. You know, yeah. I think that we all deep down inside want to focus ourselves, so focus on ourselves and our business and our spiritual, you know, higher self-connection. And 
maybe contribute back to those who are in need. But how do we get it all done? You know, what steps, now that we outlined that the calendar is kind of the centerpiece, right? What steps do you recommend to take to get not just the business aspect done, but also then focus? Because you're a perfect example. You got twins. You got a family. (laughs) I mean, God bless you. You know, I can't even keep a plant alive. So so thank you for that. I I can't keep a plant alive. So at least. uh, Okay, so we have that in common. Okay, good. (laughs) But you you got children alive, which is good. I can't vouch for that. So what so how do you how do you give us the basics? So we got the foundation. Where do we go from there? Yeah, for sure. So, and I love the the seven different categories because I kind of do the same thing. It's it's you've got to look at that lifestyle first. Like, what are the things you want in your life? Then we can add in the business. I think so many people do it the opposite direction, and then that's when the burnout comes into play. So you've got to look at those different areas and what you want to do for fulfillment and for family and financially and all of that kind of stuff. And you've got to start putting those routines in place. I think a huge thing that people need to build is a filter, almost Mm -hmm. like a bubble around themselves. I think by having those goals in mind, you have got to say no to the things that are not getting you there because there is so much that we can do. There's so many different ways we can do things you've got to start filtering stuff out if it's not gearing you towards those goals. So you're saying that a no is actually a yes to something else. To the right opportunity. To the right yeah. opportunity, yeah. potentially. And a yes could probably be a no to the right opportunity. So it's either yeah, way. 100%. So I think building that filter, so managing your schedule, yeah. building that filter to say no to the things that aren't getting you to your goals. Um, I, I'm almost in the mindset of just business minimalist, right? Like okay. less is more in what we're doing and just being more intentional with a lot of those things and building that filter. And then it really is putting systems and routines in place because everything is a system and a routine. And the more consistently you do that, the more consistent results you're going to get. You're sitting there. I'm assuming you have a day in the week where you planned the week out, right? I Probably do. a yep. Sunday. And, and so you're planning it out. How do you distinguish between what's important in your life and what isn't? Because you, you know, we talked about the why, right? The why it keeps you the momentum going, but then you, and you have your goals, right? But then you have to figure out how do I have consistency here and how do I get it all done? So on a Sunday, what would you recommend that the seven hatters do in order to really try to fit everything in? Because you can't fit everything in. So What do they do? Yeah. So um, when I plan my yearly goals, like those are like the big things. And then I have to break it down kind of in a monthly basis. Like what in this month am I going to get done that are leading me to these goals? And when I'm planning on a weekly basis, I make sure that those are all filtered. So I'm basically reverse engineering and Uh everything for the week needs to be feeding into this month, these monthly goals. So when I sit down and plan my week, I actually do it on Fridays so that I can enjoy the weekend and not have to think about work. (laughs) Um, But I will look at my calendar for the following week and I will go in and add buffer time, which most people don't do. So before meeting and after meeting time or drive time. Why do you do that? Um, because this is what prevents the like back to back, like stress, like being reactive constantly. You're more proactive with your time because essentially everything that's on your calendar has pre-work and post-work, but nobody accounts for that time. Yep. And then that's when your calendar fills up so much and you still have to do the extra stuff 
And that's why you end up working 17 hours a day. So you put you put the buffers, do you actually specify what you're going to do with those buffers? Or you just leave a blank on your calendar? Yeah. So it's actually, so if it's like a meeting I have to drive to, I'll literally put drive time in and then I'll put mm -hmm. drive time after. So I'll put those things in. Or if it's a big meeting that I know I'm going to have to send a proposal after, I'll put that time in there. So I, I am pretty specific with the buffer time that I add, but also making sure that anything that's reoccurring is on your calendar reoccurring that yep. fills that first so that you see how much time you actually have. So for me, one of those things is my sales power hour. Like my business depends on me bringing sales in. And yep. if I don't put that on my calendar, my calendar will fill and then I'll still have to do that. Or admin time, right? Like I build in admin time. So it's those reoccurring routines that I think people don't put in place. Then they fill their calendar and they still have to do those things. So really looking at what are those things I need to do every week and putting it on the calendar. Got it. So, you know, from my experience though, if I don't, it's speaking about the calendar and filling yeah. it in, if I don't have every minute scheduled, and I'm not saying there's no buffer time, but every, literally every minute of the calendar from the time I wake up to the time I go to sleep is scheduled with one of the seven hats, whether it's the business side or outside of it. Then if I don't have, if I have an empty spot or somebody cancels a meeting, Yep. I find that I procrastinate during that empty spot right on my calendar. Yep. So what's your position on to-do lists versus what Tony Robbins, I'm sure you've heard of the RPM, rapid planning method, which focuses on achievement and never on a to-do list, right? So you have your to-do list, but then are you planning to-dos during the day? Or are you saying, here's what I want to achieve this week, and I'm going to schedule achievements, and then the to-dos somewhat somehow relate to the achievement side of things? Yeah, so I think my approach is a little bit a combo of both. I like to have those like overarching, like if the end of this week comes, like I'm gonna feel good about it if I do these things, right? So I think that's the achievement side, but I think there is a lot of the to-do stuff that is involved with that. So I'm a big Asana person, so everything goes into Asana for me. It's basically my second brain. Tell everybody what Asana is yeah, for those so, who don't know. Uh, Asana is actually a task and project management tool. I love this one because it can be as simple as just a to-do list or as complex as managing a team or a company. Um, and it really is just a place to kind of categorize things into these different categories and keep track of stuff. It can also hold some information. You can set due dates. It can connect to your calendar. It has lots of functions. But for me, that's how I operate. I've got to have that list of things. So I, while I do like the achievement piece, the to-dos too. So I, I would say my, my methods will combo of both. Yeah. I mean, I use monday.com. So I, yeah. for those who, it doesn't really matter what method you use, you just need a good project management you solution. Do. And there are many out there. Yeah. Let's talk about habits and yeah. consistency. What can you tell us about creating and sticking to good habits? Because I don't care how your calendar is scheduled. Yeah. <laughs> if you have, you know, work out at one o'clock every day, and then you don't work out one o'clock every day, yep. it doesn't really matter what's on there, right? So how do we stay consistent in these? I mean, it's just such a hair burn type of day that we have as entrepreneurs. How do you find consistency and what do you do? What are your tricks? Yeah, so um, one of the things I think I have been most consistent with and I can contribute to the quick growth, once I finally got into the business space and being able to scale to six figures in 14 months, the biggest thing was my end of day routine. 
it was honestly how I was able to shift from being reactive constantly to being proactive and to not feeling the stress and anxiety and like waking up in the middle of the night, like, oh my gosh, I forgot to send this to so-and-so, right? Like I was able to have a full night of sleep, not stress about it. I basically was able to shut off the laptop at five and I knew I had a thousand things for tomorrow, but it was in there and I didn't have to think about it. So um, my end of day routine is almost like what everyone talks about from the morning routine standpoint. I'm not a morning person. Like I'm not, I'm not getting we'll talk, up at we'll 5 a.m. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. <laughs> okay. All right. But this is almost like my morning routine. It's the end of day and it really, so it's my three P's of productivity. It's process, plan, and prepare. Uh-huh. And essentially, I mean, how many notes do you take through the day? How many things are you doing on a daily? Like it's bananas what entrepreneurs do in a day. And for me, I had to process all of that and put it somewhere so that it didn't get forgotten. And when I switched to doing that, oh man, it was just a weight off my shoulder. So I essentially go through all my notebooks and if there's any kind of action item, I put it in Asana. There's any kind of calendar item, I put it in the calendar. And just going through that and kind of processing what happened for the day, just let me kind of like shut things down. But then the next piece of that is planning. So then I'm planning out my next day before it even starts so that I can hit the ground running. I've got a plan. I have a plan of attack and a roadmap. Um, And then the last piece for prepare is to really like, if I was getting on a podcast, do I have the outline ready? If I had a client call, what am I going to be doing? So it's really prepping things for the plan to make sure I have everything I need. And when I put that routine in place, oh man, the anxiety, the stress, the, but again, it goes back to consistency, right? Like if yep. I did it now, I can tell when I don't do it. I'm like, whoop, didn't do the yep. three P's yesterday. <laughs> but if I didn't, if I wasn't consistent with that, it wouldn't have done anything. And yep. it would have just been one of those other things that popped up on my calendar. I'm going to concur. And I'm going to tell yeah. the seven hatters right now. I've been doing this a very long time. And I figured out a system very similar to yours. I use a app called Sansama. I don't know if okay. you know w- what it is, but what Sansama does, it allows you to plan your weekly objectives. So not the to-dos, but what are your outcomes? What do you want to have? What do you want to do during the week? And then it allows you to put in the daily tasks that you need that then link to the objectives. Okay. And yep. it allows you to tag and it keeps your time. So you plan out, this will take me an hour. And then later at the end of the day, you say, well, it just took me 30 minutes or 45 minutes. So you're planning, but it allows you to actually plan better. And the cool thing about Sansama is that it has a morning and an evening check-in. So you check in in the morning. First thing what I do at 6.30 in the morning, I I log into Sansama and I look at my day and I was like, okay, you know, I'm not going to do this today. I might do this today. I look at the objectives and then I put the plan in and they're all like blank check marks. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Although the, the morning plan is automatically green checked, which is good because it gets you started yeah. with a check mark because we need to, in our brains, check everything off. Yes. <laughs> and then at night, because I have bookends just like you, mm-hmm. at night I close down Sansama and it says, what did you get accomplished today? And what do you want to do tomorrow? And if you didn't get it accomplished, then you can move it to tomorrow. So it's a really good way of kind of starting your day and ending your day. Highly recommend it. And then I use an app called Hugo. Hugo adds all your meetings for the day and allows you to create templates, whether it's a band chart or a, a meeting agenda template or whatever. And you're literally writing everything down ahead of time, 
what I found was that if I take three hours a week on a Friday or a Sunday, and I plan out my whole week, which means every sales call, I do my research ahead of time, put my notes into the agenda. If it's a team meeting, I make sure that I have everything ready and I put it in so that when I log in during the day and I'm looking at my Hugo calendar, I click on the meeting and everything is there. All my notes, all my contacts, all my attachments, everything. I literally will have an eight out of 10 day. I don't think there's ever a 10 out of 10, yeah. but, an eight, <laughs> but an eight out of 10 day. And that's so crucial. And I think you would agree yeah. with that, right? 100%. If you don't plan it out, you are not going to get everything accomplished. You're going to get stressed. You're not going to be as productive. Tell me your thoughts on that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, you touched on so many of those points. Now, what I think it is, though, it, it is a skill that you have to really, it's like a muscle that you have to build. And you almost have to be like this master planner and pivoter. <laughs> like, like because it, here's the thing, like I plan out my weeks on Friday, right? I plan out the whole entire thing. Monday comes and yeah. knocks down the domino and the whole freaking thing is yep. shot, right? Yep. So it's it's going into Monday and at the end of the day, wrapping up and making sure Tuesday is still on track. And if it's not, yep. pivoting and moving things around. But I think by doing that all ahead of time and being more proactive with it, you're more on top of deadlines and you're more on top of like what's due when. So you're not putting out fires constantly because you've, you've got that eagle's eye view where you're looking at it constantly. And it really is a skill that you have to build of like plan, pivot, plan, pivot, plan, pivot, like constantly. And I think that's where people, they want me to give them this magic tool that's going to do everything for them or this magic system or app. And I'm like, none of those things are going to do anything if you don't have a consistent routine that you're doing these things, right? So I 100% agree with all of those things. I love that. Yeah. So let's let's talk a little bit about early rising. Yeah. So. <laughs> All right. So I'm a huge fan of routines. I've yep. studied them for years. And by the way, you're right. It does take years to get it right. Yep. Anyone, I mean, it's great. I wish I had a mentor, like yeah. a podcast like this that I can listen to and speed things up, but it's still going to take you time to get it done, right? Because everybody's yep. different, right? Yep. So I'm, like I said, I'm a huge fan of routines. I've studied them for years. And as you might imagine, some of the most successful individuals keep a practice. For me, as we discussed, it's bookends. So I wake up, don't, don't, don't judge. <laughs> I wake up at 4.45 most days. And I, I try to take care of hat number one and hat number two. Hat number one is self-love. Yep. Hat number, and mindset. Hat, hat number two is wellness. So exercise, sleep, yep. nutrition. I think these two hats are non-negotiable every day. If you don't have the right mindset and you're not taking care of your body, I don't care how good you are in anything else. You're going to suffer on all the other hats. So that's why this is sacred time for me. So I exercise, I meditate, I tap. If you haven't tapped, find some tapping yeah. apps. They're amazing. <laughs> and then I journal and get ready for the day, which is where I turn on Sansuma and, and plan my day out. Here's what I want to talk about. So I also schedule my most important sprint, as I call it. It's a 90-minute work sprint. I got that from Darren Hardy. First thing before any emails, any Slack, any social media, then, and so we'll get to the sprint for a second, but then at night, what I try to do, so I do, I go through my day, I have my first sprint, I go through my day, the sprints are, I try to do two or three sprints a day if I can, mm -hmm. but two, and then they're interchangeable. So if there's a meeting that changes or something happens, I can utilize yep. my sprints 
as kind of a pad. And then so I try at night, I try to read, I try to meditate before falling, falling asleep. And, and by the way, for anybody that's listening, I think you would agree. I don't know if you get this because you do have twins, so you probably don't. But I try to get seven, eight hours of sleep. Oh, no, you, I need my seven or eight hours. Okay, oh, good. No. I just, <laughs> seven, eight hours of sleep. Okay. Yeah. They're nine so, now, so we're past that phase. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Okay, yeah. good. You might be catching up for years. But <laughs> so number one, do you, I'm assuming you believe, we spoke about it, you believe in bookend routines. Yeah. What's, what's really yours? What is your morning routine? What is your evening routine? Yeah. And what do you think about having that sprint? Tell us about that sprint. First thing in the morning without ever even opening your phone to look at email, yeah. Slack, yeah. social media. Yeah, I love that. Um, so I'm not a morning person. I get up about six o'clock and we've got to leave to by some, 7.30. That's a morning person, by the way, just so you know. That's true, that's true. Uh, but we have to leave by 7.30 to drop the kids off for school and all of that good stuff. But um, so I don't have a massive routine in the morning. I just make sure that I'm drinking a ton of water. I try to at least do 10 minutes of reading, something quick. And I do try to journal. That's a newer one that I'm bringing in. Doesn't happen all the time, but I've, I've definitely gotten into the habit of that. So I'm not a huge, like, big, giant morning routine person. Working out is not my jam. Like, oh, man. Yeah, I know. You're running, I know you're running I up to, to twins all day, but that's, that's workout. True. That's true. Okay. Yeah, I don't have a crazy morning routine, but I do, I do believe in the sprint. Um, I don't necessarily call it that, but, like, I use the first part of mine as my sales power hour. Because, again, uh -huh. that's the lifeblood of my business is bringing yeah. in prospects and sales and students. So... I feel like if I can get that done, then everything else is icing on the cake. So that is kind of that first thing. And again, staying out of email, keeping your email notifications turned off, staying off of social media. Holy moly, that's such a time suck. <laughs> um, and I, I batch, so I work in the BCO bucket. So business development, client services, and operations from a business yep. standpoint. And I try to batch things. So I have kind of like themed days that I do things. Um, so I think that kind of ties into sprints too, right? Like when I have my client block, like I'm working all on client work and staying super focused. So, um, yeah, I definitely, they're great. I, I, I like those three buckets. Can you tell, tell the audience what's in those buckets? So yeah. business development, client services, tell us what's, what's in there so they can get an understanding if they want to copy yeah, your, your, uh, three. Yeah. So it's actually my it's my branding too, BCO for Brittany and Co. But business development has everything that is business growing. So I actually color code this green because I color code everything um, for money for bringing in revenue, right? So it's it's Love going it. on podcasts, it is doing master classes, it's teaching, it's putting out your own podcast, it's networking, sales follow ups, prospecting, um, all the way down to like finding events and conferences to go to to meet people. So it's it's all of those different pieces and parts that are going to help you grow the business. Client services, this is either clients or customers, depending on if you're serviced or product-based, but it's everything related to the client. So client calls, customer service, meetings, client work, um, product fulfillment, shipping. All I don't do much with uh, product-based. So like all of those things for product-based businesses, <laughs> it's everything that's related to those people paying you. And then operations is kind of the catch-all of everything else bookkeeping, finances, HR, organizing systems, processes, all the stuff that everyone hates that I really love, <laughs> um, but really like managing your time and your projects and tasks. So I feel that every business has those three categories. Now, obviously with bigger businesses, you can kind of break those into subcategories and things like that. But 
that's how I organize my email. That's how I organize Google. That's how like everything because I only have to think about which of those three buckets does that fall in, and then I can kind of stay and batch my time in that. I, I love that. Yeah. Uh, and you're you're a Google person. Are you? Do yeah. you? Um, do you manage uh, virtual assistants? I have an online business manager. She does the admin stuff and then also community management. Um, I've got a bookkeeper. So they're all contractors. I don't have employees. Um, yep. And then I have a person that does like PR media pitching and podcast editing for me. Um, so yeah, I manage my team through Asana. I manage their tasks. We have one weekly meeting instead of like 15. Most most people have like 15 meetings. I'm like, I don't have time for that. Put it in Asana. <laughs> yeah, exactly. um, so yeah, I'm, I'm managing a really small team of contractors. What do you, what do you, what suggestions would you give an entrepreneur who, you know, who starts out and is like, I just don't have the extra $10 an hour. I, I got to do it myself. Or, yeah. you know, I just want to learn everything before I give it out or whatever yeah. it might be. What, what, what do you, what's your advice? That is a tough space, especially if you don't have a ton of revenue coming in. But I will tell you, even just like five hours a week can make a huge difference. So try to get past that because it's going to take you a lot longer to do most of these things than somebody who specialized in it. So try really hard to get past that mindset and just start really small. But I think the first thing is really setting a foundation for them and like brain dumping all of the tasks that you're doing and starting to kind of pull those things out that you know that person could do, right? So like starting to group those things together. Like if I could get rid of these things, I could go focus on growing the business um, and making that small list and then creating just quick little loom videos for them so that they can do it. Because that's another thing I see is a lot of entrepreneurs have control issues, myself included sometimes. <laughs> but you've got to let other people do it, show them how to do it, and then teach them if you yeah. want to be the leader in a business. Because if you try to do everything and wear all seven or 17 hats in your yes. business, the growth is just going to be so much slower because you it's cannot true. do it all. Yeah. I mean, I, I find that from anyone I speak with or consult with, delegation is the toughest uh, part for the, t the toughest skill set for an entrepreneur to, uh, to really get right. So we covered the calendar, we covered VA assistance, we covered, you know, habits and, and, and now let's touch upon business process. Yeah. Okay. Now I'm a creative first. And although I have a knack and I say that very <laughs> loosely for business process, luckily I have my co-founder, Chris by my side and he's an engineer. And he's all in our systems and process. So for entrepreneurs who don't have the skill set to create a business process or don't have Chris, the engineer by their side, yeah, there is, you know, which and business process is so critical, right? To growth. What can they do? Uh, do they need to find someone like Chris or do they, can they hone the, their skills if they really are creative? What's your advice? Yeah. So I, I love that you brought up the creative side. So most of my clients and students are creatives in some capacity. Um, a lot of just content people, marketing people, all the ideas, wants to host retreat. You, they all have all the ideas, right? Yes. So my whole thing, and you know, I'm trying to change the world, right? Like 
You just have to think in systems. There's actually this really cool video. I'll have to see if I can find the link. There's a dad teaching his son how to make peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and like he wants the son to give him the exact instructions on how to make the peanut butter and jelly sandwich, right? So it's the funniest thing because he's like, just put the knife in the peanut butter, and the dad does it like backwards and like upside down and all the things. So it, it's just so important to have that step by step. For how to do that's all a process is is yes. literally the checklist of like do this first, do the second, and you just have to be detailed with it. But I think when people can think in systems and start to see if they have it documented, someone else can do it. If they have a template, it's going to save them time. If they have a checklist, they don't have to remember all of those things. Once you see even just a tiny little taste of the benefit of processes and systems. You just have to continue thinking that way and thinking like, how can I make this a template? How can I make this a checklist? How can I pass this off to somebody? And when you can think in that way, you're just going to continue to improve your processes. But I think for entrepreneurs that aren't ready to hire someone, you just have to document it while you're doing it. And I know, I know it's an extra step. But if you just document it while you're doing it the first time, then you can do it over and over and over, or someone else can do it over and over and over, and like the residual effect from it is huge. And I know, I know it's that one extra thing to document it. it takes like 30 seconds or a minute. They have amazing tools like Loom that you can literally、yep. just hit record and show someone. But once you have that, you don't have to be the person doing it. You can give it to someone. I love that. And、yeah. then you can start building this library of. Processes and how to do things. And here's the thing: they aren't all built overnight. They change constantly. So that's why I want people to almost be in this like systems mindset versus like how can I just get this all done? Because it, you're never done. There's stuff that I update in my processes all the time. So you really just have to think in systems and think like how can I make this a repeatable thing that someone else could take over. You know, I've seen that peanut butter and jelly video.、Yes. I believe Russ, <laughs> Russ, Russ, Russell Brunson、uh, had it、uh, in his discussion of、yeah. process because he's like, "Look, you can make、yeah. a peanut butter and jelly sandwich seventeen thousand ways. Yep, but you have to figure out how what your way is."、Yep. And then he has this whole thing about who, not what, because on your journey to accomplish a task, you know, a successful business. Yep. There are going to be steps along the way that you're going to encounter that you're not either not going to know about or not going to know how to do, and then as well not have the time to do it.、Yep. So if you set your process, you can use something like Miro as a flowchart organizer or something like Notion as a note taker, and literally just say, "Step one, here's what I did. Step two, here's what I did. Here's step three, here's、yep. what I did." And you're right; it takes time to do. It does. But every step, you can then look back and say, "Who?" Not what, who's going to do that step? Because ultimately, if I'm creating a video and I have to edit it and I don't know how to edit it, well, I can hire an editor and get it done in a day, or I can go and learn, you know, editing, which、right. will take me five years.、Yeah. And then once you get to the editing part, you're like, oh well, I got to post it on social media. Oh, I don't know how to do that. So then you start learning how to post on social media,、yeah. and all of a sudden, you know, the thing about business, you're either going to run out of money. Or you're going to run out of time. Yep. That's it. There's like that's if you don't run out of money and you don't run out of time, you'll have a successful business. So if you don't do what you just said, take the process step by step, outline it, figure out who and not what, and then you can say, "Look, my time is limited. I don't have a lot of it. 
Let's figure out who can do it quicker and what I can do and what's my secret sauce, right? Yeah, I mean, and, and you said running out of time and money, but you pay in time or money, right? You so you're you're either going to pay someone to do it way faster than you would, or yep. you're going to pay in your time and learning it. And in the beginning stages, you do have to pay in time a lot, right? Like you have to learn all the things. You've got to get down and dirty and like figure it all out. But at some point, you've got to change that mindset and start paying people to do the things you're not good at. And you can't do it without processes. Yeah, and it's not just faster. It's better. And I know yeah. the entrepreneurs oh, yeah. <laughs> out there are like gasping. <gasps> yeah, no one is going to do oh, it as yeah, good no. as me. Yeah. If I didn't have a podcast editor, I would not have a podcast. If I didn't have a community manager that did like all the content, like I wouldn't have a community. Yeah. Like, it, yeah, they do it way better. Heed the warning here. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So here's, here's a very famous saying, work on your business and not in your business. As you know, starting a business is a labor of love. Yeah. It takes pretty much all of your time to get going. Now, I'm assuming that you're not talking about, because you say this a lot, work on your business, yeah. not in your business. I'm assuming you're not talking about Richard Branson's management style of working on the business, right? From the top, but a more balanced life for the entrepreneurs. So when is it the right time to start thinking and working on your business and not in your business? What steps can we take to make that transition? And then finally, what tools can we utilize to make that transition? Yeah. So again, it all goes back to those big picture goals and vision, right? Like if success to you is a $100,000 business with no team and just you, that looks completely different than if you want a million dollar business with 10 people on your team. So really making sure you're clear on that and that you're filtering out things that aren't getting you to your version of success is the biggest thing. I think as far as steps go to do that, it is just brain dumping those tasks, brain dumping everything you're doing, I would suggest into the BCO buckets because you've only got three places to put it and really saying like, okay, in the business development stuff, like what am I working on and doing? What do I wanna do in the future? Same thing with clients and operations and really just like massively brain dumping everything you've got going on. And then you've got to circle those ones that are top priority that you as the CEO need to do versus the things that someone else could take over. And that's what needs to be your focus for working on the business, right? So it's being on other people's podcasts, doing workshops, going out and growing things, talking to more people. Like that's the thing you need to be focused on because you're typically with solopreneurs, you're the face of the company. Um, so I think brain dumping that and figuring out what those top priorities are is huge. And then as far as tools go, I think it's huge to have some kind of task manager. We already talked about Asana, obviously. You have to have some kind of CRM to keep track of people. <laughs> Which one do you use since you're a Google um, yeah, person? Yeah, so it's really funny. I actually use 17 Hats. <laughs> 17 Hats. I know yes, the company, by the way. Yeah. So yeah, I just moved to them about three months ago and I'm obsessed because it's your CRM, but also proposals, contracts, payments, invoicing, calendar, all of that jazz. So I am a less is more kind of girl. Like I would like as many all-in-one systems as I can have, but you've got to have that to keep track of people. We all have text messages and emails and links. LinkedIn message and Instagram message and Facebook message, like you've got to put them all in one spot. And if your focus is to grow the business, that's going to be the biggest tool that you're going to need to be using on a daily basis. So yeah, I think it really is just like taking a step back from an airplane view, looking at everything 
figuring out what's going to be most important to your business growing and what can be outsourced and then start documenting the processes so that you can hand it off to someone. <laughs> I love that. Funny story about 17 Hats. I met the founders when they first pretty much started out okay. uh, at a talk in Santa Monica, I believe, yeah. or maybe it was in Pasadena. It could have been Pasadena. And just, you know, young boys just getting it yeah. out, getting out there. And they started seeing a little bit of success. So I'm, I'm proud of those guys. They did a, yeah. they did a good job. Uh, what are you working on now? What are you not good at? What are you, what are you trying to figure out yourself at this point when it comes to what you yeah. do? Um, honestly, so I, in human design, if anyone's familiar with that, I'm a projector. So like, I don't like to go out and find the people. I and love that. I'm a manifesting generator media. myself. Yeah. I don't like to be like on social media 24 seven and like going and finding the people and bringing them to me. Like just come to me and pay me and I'll change your life. But um, <laughs> I don't want to go find you. So yes. honestly, my biggest thing at this point is lead gen. I do a lot with referrals for one-on-one, -on -one, but again, I max out at capacity, right? So I have a program called Hustle to Flow. It's a one-to-many group coaching program, and that's where I can scale my impact and my income, obviously. So really just finding those entrepreneurs who need the help with that. So I've got all the systems in place. I've got contractors to do the things. So it really is just visibility and, and getting out to as many people as possible. And I get out to tons of people, but now that I've seen a taste of the impact I can create, I'm like, oh, I want to help so many more people. More. <laughs> I strongly believe, at least in my businesses, that you have to know who your customer is. You have to know the avatar. And I believe you do. Yeah. And then you got to figure out where they congregate because you cannot go one by one and scale yeah. that. Yeah. So where they congregate is where you should be. And you know what? Podcasts. Yeah. Trade. <laughs> Trade publications, we've, blogging. We've figured that out. And that's why yes. I, I kind of put my podcast on hold just for now. And I'm going into other people's podcasts. So my assistant's helping with all of that because I love podcasting and it's behind the scenes. So I don't have to be like on social media 24 yes. seven. <laughs> I love that. Um, and yeah, it, it is. There's so many entrepreneurs that are diving into personal development and listening to podcasts is so easy because it's so on the go and fast. So yeah, I'm sure yeah. the seven hatters are going to connect with you. Yeah. They're a lot of them are just solopreneurs starting out, yeah. just trying to figure it out. And yeah. there's a long journey. And like you said, having a mentor yeah. is so critical. Yeah. Even though you think you don't need one, you can't afford one. I've seen it over again, and over again. Pay in time or money. You're going to yeah. pay in your time or money. That's Michael Jordan has a coach. Just remember that. Yeah. Oh, coaches okay? have coaches all the coaches time. Coaches have coaches. Exactly. <laughs> all the time. So yeah. I'd like to close out my interviews with the following question. Okay. okay. Who did you have to stop being mm. and who did you need to become to manifest your current success? Yeah. Um, I had to grow out of the lack scarcity mindset that mm. I lived in for so long, so long. And I told you already, like, I still struggle with it and have to like catch myself constantly. Right. But, and it's hard because my family still lives like that. So putting myself back in that scenario, I have to be really careful. I have to have some really great boundaries in place because I, you could slip backwards very quickly. So just growing out of that and just seeing so much abundance and like the experiences you can have has been crucial 
it's been crucial. So, uh, but again, it takes daily work, right? It does not happen overnight. You've got to keep up on it. But I think even just hitting that awareness of like, I don't want to be that person anymore. I want to be this person. That's like that pivotal point. And at least you've got the awareness that you can make the changes. I love that. Jim Rohn said that you are the average of the five people you hang out most with. Yep. So if you struggle with any of the insecurities or issues that, that entrepreneurs struggle with, just surround yourself with those that don't. Yep. And all of a sudden, you'll just build that up. 100%. Brittany, yeah. where can the seven hatters find you? What are you doing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so our website is bcohq.co. Uh, so most of our stuff's on there, but we hang out on Instagram the most. It's brittanyandco.consulting for our handle. And then we have our free productivity pod community hosted over on Mighty Networks. So I hang out in there and all the productivity tips and connecting and networking and all that good stuff. I love it. I love yeah. the name, by the way, Bernie and Co. Oh, it's you. fantastic. <laughs> well, Bernie, thank you so much for gracing Absolutely. us on the seven hats. I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. You really hit on a topic that I just geek out on. Yeah. And, oh, I, could, uh, I could talk for hours on systems and productivity. <laughs> exactly. We might just do that offline. But thank you, yes. Brittany. I appreciate you being on. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Brittany. Let's end today with a show segment that I refer to as, what can we hang our hat on? And here's my takeaway. You know, entrepreneurs are a rare breed. For most of us, the word no is not in our vocabulary. More projects, more clients, more emails, more, 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 until we burn out. Or even worse, lose our business to lack of focus, process, and systems. Brittany knows this better than most, not only because she burned out and had to figure it out herself, but Brittany works with many entrepreneurs looking for a way out of the crazy and overburdened work schedule they got themselves into. I myself learned the hard way that the one thing that kept me from success was focus. I didn't manage my calendar well and therefore found my calendar was managing me. I didn't realize that I could actually multiply my time by looking at time management differently. As Brittany stated, you can't manage time. We all have 24 hours a day. You, Elon Musk, Warren Buffett, Bill Gates, well, you get the point. But what allows these giants to accomplish so much is that they say no to 99% of the opportunities that come their way. They ask themselves the following three questions when anything comes across their desk. Number one, how urgent is this task? Number two, how important is it? How much does it matter? And number three, how significant is it? How long will it matter if I accomplish this task? And then they eliminate it, which happens 99% of the time. Or they may be automated or delegated. And for the very few urgent, important, and significant tasks, they plan it out on their calendar. And I promise you, their calendars are book solid, but with items that matter most. It's a difficult journey to reduce the noise. You know, it's painful to say no for a yes to the most important opportunities. But if you want to change the world, you need to multiply your time. I want to thank Brittany once again for joining me so that we can all benefit from her wisdom. And until next time, if you found this episode helpful, please hit that subscribe button and tell other entrepreneurs out there what value you receive from it so that we can attract even more 
high-quality people into our Seven Hats community. So for now, I will bid you farewell and success on your journey. And until next time, my name is Yuval Selleck, and I tip my hat to you. <laughs>